Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, tune to us. We'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? It's 291-6901. That's it. And should you happen to be out of the local area today, you can always use the area code 225, which will reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States. There you go. And if you have a question or a comment or just whatever you might have, that's it. Give us a call. We're, we're here live now and ready to Take a question. Can't say what's going to happen next week. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, I see we've got a call already. Let's go. Our lines here with Jimmy. Good morning, Jimmy. Hi, yes, sir. This is Jeremy in North Carolina. How are you? Ah, just great, Doing sir. Great. Good. I want to thank you, Mr. Lewis and Brian, for having a show and, and sharing all your wisdom. Thank you very much. Well, you more than well, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I love the show. I've got a question. I've got a, a 01 Yukon XL, mm-hmm. a 5.3 four-wheel drive. I've got 278K on it. Okay. Um, have not had it was the truck was a gift to me at 160k mm-hmm. for my father-in-law the question is he's never done any maintenance at all on the transmission engine is up to date and i maintain that but i've taken it in numerous places and you've heard the story don't oh, touch yeah. it if, right. if it hadn't done yeah so my question is i've got the money set aside to rebuild the question is if, if this was your car would you and it's running great it's not it's running fine if this was your personal vehicle would you recommend rebuilding transmission as a preventative maintenance, risk mm-hmm. of service? Question. No, I would do a service, Jim. There's rebuilding a transmission is not preventative maintenance. That's a repair. And yes, I've heard that argument all my life, and I've never believed it, and I've seen countless examples proving it false, but it still persists. And where that comes from, a car comes in with 278,000 miles on it, and you want to service transmission. They are afraid that if they service the transmission and if it fails subsequent to that, you're going to blame them. Now, it's, it's kind of like a guy 100 years old. He's never eaten a banana his entire life. He eats a banana, he dies the next day. Well, the banana killed him, right? It's 100 years it killed him. <laughs> Same thing with transmission. If it's going to fail, it's going to fail. But a proper service can never, ever, ever hurt that transmission, may buy you some time on it, and it gives you a lot of insight into what's going on inside it once you get the pan off. Exactly right. Once you get the pan off and you cut the filter open, if it's full of big chunks of metal, well, then you know you're pretty close to the end. In that case, I would probably go ahead and rebuild it before it leaves you stranded. But if you drop the pan, it's relatively clean. It's got a little clutch material like you would expect. I'd do a good service on it, put fresh fluid in it, and keep on going. I mean, it may last the life of the vehicle. Just keep that money kind of stowed away just in case. Yeah, well, it's not bad to have a reserve fund anyway for anything that might go wrong on the vehicle. But yeah, I would not go and just rebuild a transmission if it weren't giving me any trouble, but I would go ahead and service it. Yes, sir. Is that something I would just talk to the shop and say, look, guys, I don't want to hold you accountable. If it services and it fails, I understand it's an old transmission. Well, that's right. You might just offer that. I mean, I think if you find the right guy to service it, he's going to tell you the same thing I did. He's not going to have a problem doing it. And he may just reiterate to you now, okay, you do have 278,000 miles, so this is kind of like a guy 80 years old. He may live to be 150, but, you know, odds are he's got more years behind him than he's got ahead of him. Same thing with the transmission. It's got more miles behind it than it has ahead of it. We know eventually it's going to fail. But, yeah, as long as you have an understanding like that, I don't see any problem. And argued that point with a guy, I said, that's just like saying I hadn't brushed my teeth in a year, so I'm not ever going to brush them again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah sir. Well, the follow up on that, uh, the, the ones I've have talked to, they're going down the additive road, which I know uh, you guys are, are, are not. Afford. Yes, I would not so, do I that look for a shop that's going to uh, focus on, you know, putting GM fluid back in it, GM filters, that kind of a traditional service. Well, yeah, just a tradition, that old yeah, traditional okay. service. And yeah, it doesn't have to even be a GM 
filter per se because GM doesn't make those filters. It's a company called Filtran that makes them, and right. we buy directly from yes, Filtran. But any good quality filter, I mean, you don't want a third world knockoff filter on it, and any fluid that meets Dextron three is going to do the job. But yeah, I would just do a proper service on it. Ask that they take and cut the old filter open so you can see inside of it, just to make sure there's no pieces of metal or snap rings or anything that would indicate a problem. Now. Clearly, if you get it apart and you find a piece of metal in the pan or whatever, then you yeah, know you know it's time. You, you know it's time, so it gives you a lot of insight as well. Gotcha. So it sounds like I'm best to just do a service at a, at a time when I know I don't need the truck for a couple of days in case we do look, find something that's a little more in depth. Yeah, it you might, can, you might, can certainly do that. Work. And another thing that we offer to people a lot of times, if it sounds like you've got other vehicles and stuff, this is not a pressing need for you. But GM does a pretty good job of remanufacturing those transmissions you can buy a gm reman transmission and i mean four hours later you can have it installed and the guy can be rolling down the road and right has a three-year hundred thousand mile warranty on it which is pretty strong so we use a lot of those in yeah. those yes, cases sir. a rebuild and done. they've updated the the bell housings and the and the little valves and things that you've they, written in your article yeah they do some things they don't do everything that i would do but it, they do a pretty decent job. I got to say, we've installed several yeah. of them and really had no trouble out of them. Now, I mean, if you a few minor going, leaks and, and they paid me to fix those. So, if you're going down the road and you're pulling the trailer all the time, I might suggest a rebuild with an updated right you know, build. But if you're just driving down the road back and forth to work down the interstate, you know things like that. I I don't know if I would go yeah I into having one actually rebuilt. Yeah, I I would more likely go with a GM reman. Yeah. On. I'd be happy with another 278K. There you go. And <laughs> <laughs> that's truth. <laughs> yep. Well, thank you guys so much. I appreciate your advice. All right, Jimmy. Work. How's the weather up in Carolina? Well, we're digging out of snow. We're finally all melted. Wow. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was 80 we, uh, degrees here yesterday. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Short sleeve well, shorts. Well, August is coming, so enjoy the 80. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for calling, thank Jimmy. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, Jimmy can call from Carolina, and you can call Matt Rouge. Yep, or Arizona, <laughs> or, or California, California, or New York, or wherever you That's may it. be. There you go. Just give us a call two nine one sixty nine zero one, and that brings up a topic, I guess, that the difference between maintenance and repair. Uh huh. And maintenance is and always will be, in my opinion, something you do that does not cost too much to prevent something that costs a whole lot more. Correct. For instance, I am going to change the spark plugs in my engine at the proper time because if I don't, it's going to burn up the coils, and that's going to cost a whole lot more than changing the spark plugs. That's it. So that's the reason I would do that. That's a maintenance item. I'm going to change the coolant in my engine because it costs way less to do that than it does let it corrode the radiator and corrode the heater core and have to deal with all that. Now, all that being said, a repair is something you do to address a specific problem. And sometimes it gets blurred and i find that some shops will try to sell you a repair as a maintenance item we see that a lot yeah if for instance a good example of that is an injector cleaning now an injector cleaning is not maintenance no. i know there are people who will tell you it is that is not maintenance you would clean the injectors if they were clogged up to address a problem it's not something that has to routinely be done there is no advantage to routinely doing it, and you could even damage the car by continually cleaning the right, injector. Running that, running that caustic cleaner or through it. Even even dumping the cleaner or the injector cleaner into your gas tank. I know people who do that every other fill-up, and that right. can do damage to the car. It's not necessary. If you're using a decent grade of fuel, 
then you are not ever going to have to do that. The fuel has cleaner already in it. Right. And dumping more in there is just not, you know, it's one of those deals where just because some's good doesn't mean more is <laughs> better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's go back to our phone lines. We've got James on the line. Good morning, James. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I've got a 2001 GMC Yukon. Uh-huh. And on the message light part of the dashboard there, it's telling me security. Okay. All the time. Mm-hmm. It still It'll starts, stop. James? It still starts. Mm-hmm. If it's got the mess, security message and it still starts, it means the module has gone bad. And when the module fails, it's going to default to start. Because anything else in the system that went bad, it would not start. In other words, if the key switch went bad or any of the componentry other than the module, it would it would lock turn, you out. It would it would, it would start turn and over, die, start right. and die. Right. So if it's still starting, it means the module has failed and it's defaulted to no security. Now that being said, yeah, that little module is not available anymore. Yeah, the last one I tried to get, GM no longer sells that module. It's, it's obsolete. So you're sort of kind of fortunate if it failed and it went to that system. Basically, you just don't have an onboard security system, which. How many people are going to steal your one your vehicle, an old one Yukon? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, unless the message really concerns you a whole lot, I wouldn't really be too worried about it. It's going to probably continue to start and yep. just do everything. They just won't have a security system on it. And, I mean, you could try going to a salvage yard and finding a module, but it's got to be the exact right one or it won't work. And some of those have to be programmed and can't be reprogrammed and yah, 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 yah. So the bad news is the module's out and you can't really replace it. The good news is it doesn't matter. Well, it sounds like it doesn't matter. It's my best choice. That's it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, if it was my car, I just... I wouldn't worry about I it. I wouldn't worry about it. Well, I, I'm not worried about it anymore. It, <laughs> it, it concerned me to the extent that if I get somewhere right. away on, and it fails and it won't start, then mm-hmm. I'm kind of screwed. Correct, so, correct. No, if it was no, going to do that, it would have done it already. What it do, it would start and die, start and die, start and die. See, if, if it dip- fails and burns out, it just defaults to no system. It went through that start and die. Mm-hmm. That's probably when it was going out. Uh-huh. So one day it just uh, cranked up, and I said, "Wow!" There you go. <laughs> yeah, I just okay. leave. I just leave it. That's what I'll do. Bye. All right. Have a good one. All right, James. Thanks, Thank man. you. Bye bye. All right. Let's see. If we can catch a couple more of these calls for our first break. We've got Randy online. Good morning, Randy. Morning. Good yes, morning. sir. I got a 2005 Dodge one ton four wheel drive single wheel. Mm-hmm got a bad humming in the rear end okay and it's really noticeable when you're going down the road mm-hmm. you let off the gas it, it kind of just winds a little bit and i've been told maybe it's maybe peening barren yeah maybe. i was going to ask you next if it gets better when you let off the gas and worse when you accelerate that is normally going to be the pinion bearings and or gear noise and i mean the fix is going to be the same regardless the differential has to be rebuilt there's six bearings in there, some seals, some crushed sleeves, and such as that. And that is especially, Randy, all its own. You're right. going to need yeah. to find someone who specializes in that. Most general mechanics will not handle that job. I know, I know we don't do that part of the job in-house. We send it out to Earl Zimmer at Zimmer Gears because he specializes in it and does a really, really good job with it. But I, uh, I guess my question mm-hmm. is, at what definitive time? I, I do a lot of hauling trailers. Yeah. Yeah, you need, you need to get on that real, real quick because if it's okay. a bearing, it's going to turn into a gear set real fast. Okay. Because when the bearing wears, it allows the gears to move out of mesh, and that's what that noise is, and it'll wear a pattern on the gears, and then you're having to buy a gear set, which is going to add another eight or $900 to the already to the bill. stiff bill. Okay. 
All right. Appreciate it, fellas. Okay, Randy. Thanks, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take a quick little break. Mike, hold on. You're going to be straight after this break. Phew. I had a bad dream last night. Girl, me too. I was out on a date with Matthew McConaughey. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. But literally, all he could say was, all right, all right, all right. Still, it's... In auto-tune. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Over and over and over. Oh, it was a nightmare. What about you? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at AGCO, which cost me thousands in repair. Now that's scary. AGCO Automotive's general inspection is the best way to make sure your car performs at its peak and you're not surprised by any major repairs. Bring your vehicle in once a year and we'll recommend any maintenance. We can even help decide if it's worth fixing or time for you to purchase another. My dream was scary, but yours was, uh, all wrong, all wrong, all wrong. (laughs) Okay, are you finished now? Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersland, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call. 291-6901. And that's what Mike did. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. How are you all guys doing? Doing great, great, great. I really enjoy your nostalgic music. There. Well, thank you. Uh, look, I talked to you before about a 96 Impala SS. I've got with an LS1 okay. and uh, LT1. I can't Anyway, ran it hot. And I had misfire codes and all this kind of stuff. Well, after doing compression tests and various things, cylinder leaked down. I uh, found I had a burned intake valve. Okay. At that point, I didn't want to, I didn't go any further. I said, okay, I want to replace the engine. And, you know, it's got some miles on it. Mm-hmm. So I, I bought it for an engine and put in it. And upon putting that in, the main problem I had, I started setting a P0336. Code something to do with the crankshaft sensor. Mm-hmm. I replace that. Still setting the code. Now I can uh, I can crank the car up and mm-hmm. run excellent. And as long as I'm driving, that code doesn't pop up. The light doesn't come on. But when I stop the car and restart it, mm-hmm. I get a PO three three six. And I I know diagnosis by phone is uh, pretty difficult. Yeah. That never occurred before. Had any idea? Well, that you know? never occurred before. The the new motor was put in. Oh no, no, not the PO three three six. Right. Uh, only thing I had was random misfire. Right. I've got more than one burn valve. Obviously, right. an old motor. But yeah. you know, I, like I say, I stopped when I figured out I had. I think it was number five. I had a burn intake valve. Right. With the cylinder leak down. So uh, you know, put the motor in. Uh, Everything's doing fine except for this code. So I replaced crank sensor. Yeah, I would probably look at at the harness real good. Make sure when that harness was plugged in that one of the pins didn't maybe get bent out of the place. See, it can run without that sensor because what it'll do is look at the cam sensor and it'll divide in half, but it'll generate that code because it knows it doesn't have a signal. Also, it's possible that when they built the engine, the trigger for the sensor may not have been installed or may not have been installed properly. And I just don't recall exactly where that engine picks that trigger up because I hadn't seen that many of them. But some of them will have like a have two or three different. They may have one like a 3X signal and they may have another like 20X signal and they may have another like 300X signal that it reads at different times. 
and one of those triggers may not be installed in the motor or may not be installed properly. But first inspect all the wiring and all. Make sure everything is plugged together right, that no pins got pushed out of place or got pushed back into the connector. I've seen that a lot. One pin will bend a little bit and it'll kind of go over out of the thing. It doesn't plug like it should. If all that's hooked up, the only thing you'd be able to do is bring that to someone who has a digital lab scope and have them put a scope on that sensor and see what it's seeing because you can't see it. See if you can get the right square wave. Correct, correct. And it may be that it doesn't have the low-end signal. It has the higher-end signals. See, as it starts to turn faster and faster, it can't read. It needs several readings at an idle to do the things it wants to do. But as soon as it gets up to about 1,500 RPM, it can't read that anymore because it's going by too fast. So it goes to a different signal. Then when it gets up around like, three or 4,000, it'll go to a third signal. The 3,800 engine using a lot of GM vehicles, I remember had a magnet. It did. In the cam. Yeah, that was a cam yeah. signal. And that well, magnet could pop I out. Know, I don't know if this engine has a magnet. I, I was under the assumption. It has some kind of trigger. I don't know where it is or, or where it is. Actually, I, it frankly, was, it I had the crank i would think i want to say it's behind the timing cover might be behind time cover might be on the end of the crank yeah i just don't know i don't remember i haven't worked on lt1s so many years that you know i just couldn't tell you and then most of them are out there don't need that kind of work you know most of them out there have fairly low mileage on them and we're doing things to them but we're not doing that kind of work to them right well this one wouldn't have needed it if it hadn't run hot right right real thing mm-hmm Okay, guys. All right. So I'll uh, continue to check it out, and I uh, appreciate your advice. Okay, man. Always. Yeah, and, get somebody uh, to put a scope on it. They can tell you if, if you are triggering there or not. Yeah, I've got a lab scope somewhere around here. Mm-hmm. Well, if not, yeah. uh, I may bring it to you and yeah. let you look. Yeah, I'll, I'll right. get one of the guys to check it for you. All right, man. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. We always appreciate your calls, and we've got Brian online. Good morning, Brian. Hey guys, I got an interesting question. Okay. I've got a 2008 Saturn Outlook with a 3.6 liter V6. Mm-hmm. I've got a problem with it. Whenever I fuel, put fuel in it, it's hard to start. Starts fine mm-hmm. any other time. Yeah. I yeah. It just immediately have to fill up. The fuel cap. No. Yeah. No, that, that's almost always no. That's tank. almost always going to be something in the evaporative emission system. And what it's doing is that it is going to purge when it shouldn't, for whatever reason. It could be the purge solenoid is bad. It could be one of the sensors telling it to go to purge, and it's drawing some gas in there and it's flooding the engine. I, I've seen that a lot on Chrysler products. I've seen it some on GM products, but you can go in and do some testing and find it but some for some reason it's purging when it shouldn't be and like i said it could be okay. the sensor that tells it to purge it could be the solenoid that does the purging maybe stuck open it could it be, could be something yeah oh, not sensors. assembled properly right. but i have seen that symptom quite a bit on different cars over the years where it, it only does it when you first fill it up right see it ought to abort that test when you're filling it up it ought right. not it be ought purging know. it ought to know but you know it, it could even be something as simple as like to get the fuel sender is not sending a signal that the tank's full. So you know, there's okay. lots of different possibilities. Right. You just got to test each component and find out why it's purging when it shouldn't. But it's drawing gas fumes up into the intake and flooding the engine, and it'll clear up in just a little bit. You know, if you crank on it a little while. Right, right. I just got to crank on it a little while. Right. Well, right. see, if you keep cranking, what it's going to do is going to shut the injectors down, and it's going to crank. It goes to flood mode automatically, right. and that'll clear it out. But, you know, it's, it's annoying. It takes a while. And it can damage the catalytic converter if it goes on long enough. Okay. I All right. It. Thank you. Okay, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
All right, 291-6901 is the number. We appreciate you giving us a call and sharing your Saturday morning with us. And, you know, that, that EVAP system, I know on the General Motors, is a real complicated system for what it does. Yeah, it yeah. seems like to me for the benefit that it provides, yeah, it is it's, very, very complex it and is. very, very problematic. I know GM has more trouble with that than yeah. almost any other component on their vehicle. So let's go back to the phone with Kevin. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. This is Kevin. How you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. I've got a 2006 Mazda 3 four-cylinder automatic. Mm -hmm. I took the battery out for about a week. I put the battery back in, and now it's not reading the key. The security light is flashing mm -hmm. fast, fast, fast. Okay. It won't start. Obviously, start won't work. Nothing will work. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, did, did, did the, does that transponder in the key have a have a battery have a power source well some do some take a power source from the steering column when you put it in it's got a little coil and inductively provides the power in it but if it started after having the key i mean having the battery out of it for a week probably it lost its programming and it's gonna have to be reprogrammed that's where you go okay. in and just tell it okay this is the right key and this is this and this is that and da 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 but it it's not supposed to lose programming, but it can. You know, it's got some kind of a backup system. If that backup system went, went dead, it yeah. just lost that. It has to be reprogrammed. Well, I need to tow the vehicle to the Mazda dealer? Well, yep. to whomever you choose to repair it. It doesn't have to be a Mazda dealer. but And I take it to my friend on Corsi Boulevard? <laughs> I would have to take What year am I? Is it 06 model? 06 Mazda 3 2.0. Yeah. I would have to check and make sure we've got the software to reprogram that one. We've got the stuff for Toyota and Honda and GM and Ford and Chrysler, and we got some Mazda. I just don't know. Give Elaine a call Monday morning, and I'll ask okay. one of the guys to make sure we've got the stuff to do that one because it's just so many different ones. You just can't hardly afford to have them all. Uh, so we do the ones that are most popular. But, yeah, it's going to probably have. Now, I tell you, you might just go online kevin and just type in reprogram key mazda some of them have a procedure you can use to do it without a scan tool and you may be able to do it yourself i just don't know but, i did that i went online there was mm -hmm. one procedure said turn on the key right disconnect the battery for one minute mm -hmm. connect the battery with the key on well that didn't do anything okay yeah and some of them will relearn on their own some of them you just got to go ahead and reprogram them so yeah, if you can't do anything with it, I would give Elaine a call. I'll check and see if we can do it. If not, you know, tow it wherever and have them. I mean, if you got the, the Mazda key yeah, you enable stuff, then it's, it's, it's not too big a deal. A lot of locksmiths do that as well. You might call a few locksmith uh, shops. There may even, be a that, may even be a mobile locksmith that can do it for you. All right, thank you for hey, your look. help. Have a good day. Hey, All right, man. man. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we got to take our second quick little break. Hey, Patrick, you hold on. You're going to be straight up after this break. I had a bad dream the other night. Can't be worse than mine. I was buried up to my neck in the desert, surrounded by an army of prairie dogs, and their leader rides up. Rides? Yep. It's Yule Brenner, and he orders me to eat this huge mound of candy corn. So all the prairie dogs line up and feed it to me piece by piece. I'll never look at that Halloween confectionery the same again. What about you? Well, I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, and my car left me stranded on I-10. Now that's scary. 
Agco Automotive is here with the best way to keep up with car maintenance. Get our annual general inspection. You pick the month, we check out your vehicle and recommend any maintenance you may need, which can save you costly repairs down the road. That was a freaky dream. Were you on medication or did you eat anything strange? Uh, yeah, I actually ate a whole bag of candy corn left over from Halloween. 2014. Oh. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we've got Patrick's been patiently holding. Good morning, Patrick. Good morning. How y'all doing? Doing great, sir. Doing great. I have a 1999 Mercury Grand Marquis. Mm hmm. And it seems like it has a mind of its own. I didn't change the battery, change the alternator, but something still drains the battery down. I have to jump start it all the time. Yeah, all right. that's going to be called a parasitic draw, Patrick. And mm-hmm. if something is staying on when you turn the key off, but it's not necessarily something like you would think of something. It's not necessarily like a light or anything like that. It's not something you're going to see. One of the more common things on that particular model was what they call the GEM module, G-E-M, General Electronics Module. That, General Electronics Module. Okay. Yeah, that controlled a lot of headlight functions. And if you notice, like when you close your door, your dome light stays on for a little while and then kind of slowly goes down, right? Uh, which is cool. But what can happen, the way it can do that is that it stays awake. In other words, when you turn the key off, it's still awake, watching all this stuff. When it sees the door open and close, then it's supposed to shut down after so many seconds. Now, this is the thing. It could be the module itself is bad. It could be like a door switch is bad. It doesn't see the door open and close, so it's staying alive. It could be any number of things, and it might not be that at all. It could be something totally different. That's just one possibility. But what you have to do is go in with milliamp meter, connect it between the battery terminal and the battery, and that will show current flow. And when you turn everything off in the car it's going to maintain current flow for several seconds up to maybe an hour right but then everything should go to sleep and the current draw to go away now if it does not go away you've got to draw somewhere you have right. to start removing fuses one at a time until you find out what it is that's causing a draw and then you have to go and do some research and find out why so it can be very problematic to find but right. it is going to absolutely kill your batteries and what happens see, when you start the car back up the alternator starts charging again but that constant deep cycling your battery is going to kill your battery. Your battery is going to last about two or three months instead of two or three years. Right. Because you're constantly deep cycling it, you see. Because I've took, took it to two places and nobody seems to be able to figure well, out Well, you got to be able to bring it to them and leave it with them right. long enough to do it. That's not something that you're going to bring it in and wait on or bring it in and expect to get it back the same day. You know, that's something that's going to no, take some no, time they, to find. They, a couple days. They kept, it, they kept it for like three days. Yeah. And- and see, it could be an intermittent problem, right. too. It may not be occurring while they've got it. So on an intermittent problem, that could take a long, long time to find. I mean, you, you oh may God. be in the weeks. You know, it just, yeah, it's vehicle, got to occur to find it. The vehicle is going to sit more than it's going to be worked on, but mm-hmm. that is the procedure for finding what's right. going on. Yeah, you, you know, right. you're only getting charged for the time he's doing yeah, the work you're on it. you getting charged when they work on it, not while it's sitting, but, of course, you're out of your vehicle. And there's really no easier way with something like that because you can test until the cows come home and if everything's going to sleep <laughs> like it's supposed to, it just says everything's right, normal. Right. But it doesn't right, tell you that. It won't, it won't, it, yeah, it won't do it when I take it. To, right. When I take well, the they don't tell you that once in 100 times it does this. Now, see, you be sure, Patrick, when you bring it to the shop to bring them the exact keys that you are using, everything right. exactly the same, anything that you normally leave in the car, leave it in the mm-hmm. car. Because we had a lady one time who came to us. We never could find the draw. 
And when she got out of the car, I just happened to be standing in the parking lot, and I saw she unplugged her cell phone charger. Oh. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. Do you normally leave that? She, yeah, at home, I always leave my cell phone charger plugged in. And that was running the battery dead. Yep. It was okay. waking up one of the computers, and it, it kept it. So if you bring it to the shop, and you unplug all that stuff, and you give them a different key, well, it may be that the key was causing it. You know, it may be keeping the theft system armed. Or who knows? You know, I'm just throwing things out there. But oh. make sure they've got it in the exact same condition as when it's occurring. Okay. All righty. Okay. Thank you so much. All right, Patrick. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. You know, those parasitic draws are devil to find sometimes. They really can be. And sometimes we go right to them. I mean, yeah, I've seen where we find them in 15 minutes, and I've seen where it took 15 days. Yeah. But a big, big problem is if you change anything. Like for instance, you don't realize it. You don't realize. Maybe you've got a valet key that you bring to the shop because you don't want to get in your trunk and all. And I right. understand all that, but it may be the ignition key that's causing the problem. Exactly. And when you go to the valet key, it does not occur. So they can test and test and test, and all you can do is eat up a bunch of money and time, and you're not going to find anything. Yep. Another few things you always want to look at when you got that problem: anything that has been added to the car that is not factory. Right. I know these little doodads they plug into the obd2 connector like yeah for in, your insurance insurance companies do them or yeah little, man they're notorious start for with that yeah because anything plugged into that connector can affect the computers sure and well, it's it's making a recording we have had dozens of those we've had to remove sure where they were killing people's batteries and doing all kinds of other sure. crazy stuff another thing you don't ever want to leave a cell phone charger plugged in right some Whether it be them, in the house or the car. Right. Some of those do maybe go to sleep. Some of those apparently don't go to sleep. And also, I've heard they could be a fire hazard under certain conditions because right. there's a little transformer in there and it's powered up. So that is one thing. I know it's convenient to leave it there, but yep. unplug it every single time. I've got a GPS in my car, and I've got it plugged into the uh-huh. lighter. But the last thing I do before I get out of the car is unplug, unplug it. it. Yeah. Yep. And I've never had any trouble. When I get back in, if I want to use it, I plug it back in. But... Even though it says it's turning off. Oh, no, mine goes to sleep by itself. Okay, that's yeah. great, except sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> Tell you something else we've seen a lot on Ford products for whatever reason is the radio. Something yeah. in the radio stays, stays awake, awake. Yeah. and it will kill your battery like that. We've and also seen the heater module for the seat. The, the seat, seat heater, heater modules. Will stay I've awake. seen door modules do that. Yep. On Chevrolets, we see, like on Suburbans and all, the seat memory module. Right. The one that controls the positions of the seats. Right. It'll stay awake. Those will stay awake. And it's not just that module drawing. It's picking those other computers. Sure. So it can kill a perfectly good battery in just a few nights. Right. And like I said, that's just a few of the things w- that we see. I know I've run across just a lot of stuff. We even had one fellow who had a set of trailer brakes he had wired into his trailer hookup. Uh-huh. And some kind of way or another, they were keeping the computers awake. So any aftermarket accessory, and I mean any. Right. And if you've got an aftermarket radio in it, first thing you want to do is Unplug disconnect it. that radio. Just right. go under your dash, pull all the power wires and all the backup wires off of it, do without a radio for a little while, and see, see if, if it, that does it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you another one that was very, very strange. We had a lady come in with an Acura, and we would keep the car for two weeks. Uh The battery would never go dead and never had a draw on it. We could literally put the car out in the parking lot, and when she couldn't pick it up, it was the next morning the battery would be dead. Uh And what it was, she had subscribed to some kind of a satellite radio service at one time. She had discontinued her subscription. Okay. But that satellite 
was pinging that computer looking for that signal that wasn't there any longer, and it would wake everything up in the car. When it was sitting in the shop, it the was metal, in the metal building, building right. was isolating that so it wouldn't occur. Right. But when she would put it out in her driveway or we'd even park it out, she didn't really have to have the car. And sometimes it would sit in the parking lot for two or three days before she'd come get it, uh-huh. and the battery would be dead. We'd pull it back in the shop, start checking, 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 couldn't checking. Couldn't find anything. So, I, I mean, I knew she had a problem. It's just we couldn't locate it. Right, couldn't duplicate and it. come to find out, we finally disconnected the radio. The problem went away. So, she was able to call the satellite provider uh-huh. and tell them, hey, quit pinging my thing. <laughs> and that solved her problem. Right. So, just, just obscure things like that. Very, very weird things. And people get impatient sometimes. But you got to remember, the shop's not just keeping your car because they want to. Exactly. If, they want to get it fixed. If they are testing and it's not occurring, it is not going to show up. That's right. There's just no way to know. Hey, one last quick little break, and we'll be right back with more. Man, I had a bad dream the other night. Oh, me too. I was abducted by aliens, but they weren't little green men. They looked more like a cross between a chicken and a gremlin. Like the 80s movie? Yeah, so they take me up to this spaceship and onto this theater stage, and in the audience sits all the cats of my ex-girlfriends, and they're just sitting there judging me. Even Mr. Piddles, who I actually kind of liked. Oh, uh, what was your dream? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at AGCO and my car broke down. Now that's scary. Hey, at AGCO Automotive, we know it's hard to keep up with maintenance. What do I do at 15,000 miles? What do I do at 75? We recommend an annual general inspection. Just pick a month and bring in the vehicle. We'll give it the once over and can recommend any maintenance you may need before something causes bigger problems down the road. So did they take you to their leader? No, they made me watch a cat video reenactment of Steel Magnolias. It was horrible. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us calls, 291-6901. We'll get an answer right straight to you and live and direct that's it and should you happen to think of something after we go off the air and miss your opportunity to get a live answer or maybe if you happen to think of something next week and and need a question answered you can always go to our website which is agcoauto.com that is a g c o a u t o.com there's a contact bar on each and every page just click the button fill out the little form and send it on in there you go couldn't be any easier than that and, you know, we were talking just a little bit earlier to the gentleman about maintenance and repair right. and the difference. And one of the things that I seem to get a lot of email on, and folks will say, well, I've got 250,000 miles on my vehicle. Should I replace the timing chain? Uh-huh. And, again, timing chain replacement is a repair. The maintenance is changing your oil on a timely basis that keeps- so the timing chain will last the life of the engine. Right. <laughs> Now, if you haven't done the maintenance properly, if you've gone 10,000 miles between all change, well, probably probably gonna... we wouldn't be having this conversation because the car wouldn't have made during 50,000 <laughs> miles. But, yeah, if you do not use the proper oil, and when I say proper oil, a lot of cars today require synthetic oil. That they is do. not a suggestion. They do. You know, they don't say, well, it would be nice if you use synthetic oil. This has a timing chain that's probably six feet long, weaving up and down, double overhead cams and all that stuff. To protect that timing chain, you 
have to have the synthetic oil that this engine calls for. That is what it's engineered for. Yeah, it's not, well, it'd be nice if you did this. You've got to do that. That is what is required. Now, if you don't do that, when you get to about 100,000 miles, it's going to jump timing, and it's going to take the engine out, and you're not going to be wondering what happened. Scratch your head wondering what happened. Right. But that's one of those things. If you're worried about it, then do the maintenance. The maintenance is a good filter changes based on the way you drive the car not a preset number of miles uh-huh. what i mean by that and i know we've talked about this before but if your average trip in other words you get in your car on average and you drive to the store maybe three miles away and then you get back in your car and you come home and it sits for a while maybe you go to the beauty shop maybe you go to church maybe you go to work if you're still working and you use the car in short little intervals like that that is considered extreme service conditions. Although it doesn't seem that way. Even though you may be normal to you, is extreme conditions to the oil because the oil never gets hot enough to boil the moisture out, clean itself, and go on about its business. So the oil gets real dirty. It gets contaminated. It starts to get moisture in it. It starts to break down. And that's when you are tearing up things. You're corroding parts. Your gaskets and seals are getting hard. Your timing chain is being stretched, all those sorts of things. And those kind of contaminants, the oil filter will not take those out because they are liquid. It goes right through the filter. Right. Now, if on the other hand, you're a traveling salesman and you get in your car and you put 300, 400 miles at a time on it, well, certainly you can go longer. Sure. Because once the oil gets up to operating temperature, which is somewhere probably around 240 to 270 degrees, water and most moisture is going to boil around 212 when it starts to boil it's going to turn to steam it's going to rise up in the crankcase and the pc system is going to suck it out of there and it's going to be gone right so the oil will clean itself most of the contaminants will go away if you're taking little short trips 10 miles or less that's not ever going to occur because the oil is never going to get hot enough to do that and it's not enough for it to get to operating temperature it has to to hold the operating temperature for a long enough period for all this to occur which can be hours at times so forget the thing about every three thousand miles or four thousand or ten thousand it's based on the way you use the car yep one guy three thousand is going to be correct the next guy could probably go four or five thousand i don't believe in these super long periods where people go a year two years we see too much damage that way it's just you're not ever going to save enough on all changes to ever 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 take the risk that you're taking and you know Bins, they've started going to that. We've seen a lot more engine problems. We are changing way more engines than we ever used to. It seems like probably twice a month, someone comes in with a burned up engine. They just ran out of oil. Yeah, ran slam out of oil. If you think about it, almost any engine is going to consume a certain amount of oil. Let's say it burns one quarter of oil every 2,000 miles, which is almost nothing at all. Now, let's say some engines have three and a half quarts of oil, and you're going 7,000 miles between changes. All right, you're going to be out of oil. You're going to run completely out of oil at some point. You're going to burn the engine up. So if you do have long, long trips that you make, if you do want to go longer, you do still have to check that oil. Definitely. And I know they say, well, isn't there a light that does that? Some do, some (laughs) don't. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. That's always been my experience. By the time the light comes on, it's too late. You're doing damage. Yeah, it's too late. (laughs) Let's go back to our phone lines with Steve. Good morning, Steve. Yeah, hello. Great. Good morning. I got a '06 six Silverado. Mm-hmm. The little I got the little slide to the thermostats on the day. Uh huh. The left light. colors lights went out. Uh huh. The right one's still working. 
Do I need to be worried about the rest of that going out of a window? No, it's just yeah. just the lights went out. It still yeah. works properly. Yeah. No, yeah. Th- those are just little LEDs that are built up in that control head. I don't think you can change those separately. You'd have to change the whole head. So, no, unless it just really, really bothers you, I just leave it alone. It's just a little LED. Sometimes they burn out. Yeah, well, I heard you talk about that dash. You got to, whenever they start going out, the whole dash. Yeah, that was a different thing when it had defective stepper motors right. there. But, yeah, no, it's just little LEDs up inside that panel. And there are a handful of those you can buy yeah. the little light bulbs separately. You might just call the Chevy dealer and ask him if, if that's available. And if it is, it's not too big a deal to change. But most of them, you can't get the part. You have to change the whole control head to get to it. All right. I just wanted to know if it was something I need to start worrying about. <laughs> no. Nah, not really. Just part of the car getting old. Okay. All right, All right man. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive eye, we would love to have you. You know, I knew what he was going to say right before he said it. Uh-huh. Because mine, I got an 06 Silverado also. Right. That same side bulb went out. Huh. <laughs> Something going on there. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Let's go back to our phone line with John. Good morning, John. Hi, it's John from Canada calling. Hey, John, hey. how are you today? Good, how are you? Great, thank you. Good. Quick question. Our friend Christy's got a, a cord with 160. 30 kilometers, so times six, so mm-hmm. not even 100,000 right. uh, miles. But anyway, she had to get a sort of emergency oil change, and she wasn't nearby, and the light uh, was getting low. Anyway, she put in another brand, and she and it, 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 it's a cheaper filter rather than the one than the, the, the always been doing Honda right, right. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Should she go in and get it changed right away, or can she wait some of her time? I would probably check the all level, John, and if it doesn't start consuming all, because usually it'll start pretty fast if it doesn't like the all. I mean, you'll notice it right away, a marked consumption of all. If that's the case, I would get it out as soon as possible and dump the other all in. If it does, it's affecting it, I'd probably wait to the next change. Well, it's a private brand name I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I, you know, I follow what you say to letter in the car. You know, the, those Hondas were known, some of them, to burning oil quickly. And this one was right up after, uh, mm-hmm. like, 4,000 uh, miles kind of thing. Right. So, you know, so that was why I thought, well, maybe she should just, rather than risk it, just change it. Well, you <laughs> certainly can do that as well. I mean, all change yeah. just doesn't cost enough to really put up with a whole lot of risk. It's not going to hurt anything. But I would check the level and see if it's starting okay. to use all. Go back to the original, and it may take up in a while. Okay, How's the puppy doing? Oh, doing great, man. Yeah, she wanted to come to Baton Rouge with me this morning, but she decided to curl back up and go back to sleep. So <laughs> I'm here with my toque on and my winter boots on. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Think down there in a nice, balmy weather. You stay yep. 80 this morning. Uh, All right, I'll let, I'll let you go, guys. Thanks All right, John. Help. Thanks for calling me in. Bye-bye. 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 All right, 291-6901 is the number. I think we got time to sneak another call in. If you can make it quick, give us a call, 291-6901. And you put a 225 in front of that, you can still reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States. There you go. If John can call from Ontario, then and you, you can, can call, call from, from here. anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And we were talking just a bit about maintenance and uh-huh. different things like that. And it's never really too late for the most part to fix what goes wrong. But it's just so much better to prevent sure. problems. And I realize there are different people with different philosophies. We have customers who are religious about practicing preventive maintenance. Right. And we have customers who run I call, to drop. Yeah, run to fail. 
And what they're gonna do? They're gonna run the car until they have a problem. Then they're gonna bring in and get that problem fixed, and then they're gonna go on about their business. And both people have their own philosophy. You can't really tell people how to take care of their car, right? But I do see the amounts of money that both people spend. Sure. And the people who maintain their cars religiously generally spend a whole lot less money. They've got two and three hundred dollar tickets in their file. The other right. guys got two three thousand dollar <laughs> tickets in their file. Right. And it just costs a whole lot more. The only reason to do maintenance is because it's less expensive than not doing it. Right. So let's go back to the phone lines with Curtis. Good morning, Curtis. All right. How y'all doing? Doing great, doing sir. Doing great. All right. I got a 2006 Ford Fusion, and I need to know how to change the oil on that, get to the oil filter that's inside. I guess, I don't know, I guess maybe you call it some kind of canister or housing that's in. A lot of them do, it. yeah. A lot of them do have a canister type filter nowadays. They've they've gone full circle. Everything yeah. used to be a canister, then they went to the cartridge type filters. Now they're going back to canisters on everything. Most of those Curtis are going to require a special wrench. wrench. It's like yeah. a big socket that goes on the bottom of that canister That's... and unscrews it off. And when you unscrew it, the cartridge will be inside. Oh, okay. And, and they now, make assortments of those wrenches. God, I was looking yeah. at Jeff's collection the other day. He must have about 40 or 50 different ones. Well, he's got a molded case with about uh, that many in a molded case. Yeah, so, I mean, there, there's a bunch. In their infinite wisdom, every manufacturer made them just a little bit different size. <laughs> right. But oh, you, okay. you can get one just for your Ford, and it's going to be some sort of a big socket. You'll see, if you look where the canisters at, it's going to have like little flutes around the edge of it, that socket goes up and it catches that, and it makes a real easy job of unscrewing it, and then you just turn it over, dump the oil out, pull the cartridge out, put a new cartridge in, put it back on. And now, Some of those are top of the engine, but I'm not sure about that Ford. I'd have to see it. I'd have to, to see to, it or at least look through service data to see well, where the filter's at. It's underneath the car. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They put them all different yeah, places. they do. You can buy those sockets. If, if you're fairly savvy on the Internet, just go in and type in what kind of car you got and put all filter socket, and you'll right. see several people selling them pop right. up. Just find the lowest price one you want and go ahead and pick one up. Or you may go to a parts store. They may even have it. In fact, I know Toyota sells those they directly. Do. They've got a really nice tool. I buy those from Toyota just because the better tools, about the same price as I can buy it from a tool store. We, I'm not sure right. Ford sells them or not. We've got a Toyota one at the shop that we had to modify because we wore the hex out on it trying to, to – yeah, we serviced so many filters, so many oil changes that we wore the tool out. So we actually <laughs> had to go in and rebuild the tool to make it work oh, again. My. So, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, well, y'all, y'all been a, a big help to me there, and I think uh, – like I said, I've been dealing with this for quite a while. I like yeah. to try to figure things out for oh, myself yeah. before yeah. I actually – Well, no, but, uh, not a problem at know. all. All right, Curtis. Uh, thanks for calling, uh, man. Thank you, sir. Appreciate right. it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I see we're getting close on the time there. We still got about a minute or so. I don't about. think we've got time for another caller, but we could definitely answer. Maybe. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> answer each other's questions. There you uh, go. Yeah, those big socket things came out, I don't know, several years ago. And at first it was one or two, and it was right. five or six, and then there's 20, and then there's 40. And it's like everything they do, they just keep proliferating. And some of those tools that Jeff has take off the metal filters, right. the regular can filters. Right. They fit the, the hex on the bottom on of those. On the bottom of regular. And then, like you say, you, ha- you have the, the regular canister type mm-hmm. that you got to take off, too. So. There you go. Hey, you want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and absolutely every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends and whatever service Broadcast you use. or rebroadcast service you use, go ahead and give us a written review, and that'll move us up in the rankings, and we can keep on doing the program. That's it. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.